0: This is the Shape America Podcast, hosted by
1: Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy, making 50 million strong by 2029.
2: Welcome to the Shape America podcast. This is Stephanie Sandino, your co host alongside Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are ecstatic that you're joining us for this amazing self care episode, part two. If you have yet to listen to part one, be sure to check it out as our panel sets the scene with their interpretation of self care as well as the signs they experience when they need to refocus on themselves. We're going to delve right back into it as our panelists further discuss the topic that is so often forgotten and pushed aside. Without further ado, I'm going to let our guests continue on with the discussion on routines, limits, and the support of schools, as well as professional associations in the journey of self-care. Again, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Shape America podcast.
1: So the question is, what are your go-to self-care methods? So for myself and uh, my wife, Nila, um, I would say definitely meditation. Uh, we have been trying to meditate for at least 10 to 15 minutes every morning. Um, we've done it pretty consistently over the last four months. Um, and i think what we're we're learning through this process is you can become more aware of negative thought patterns and there's no judgment with these negative thought patterns you're just aware of them so it's a really important thing for our daily routine to kind of ease into meditation each morning and to do a little reflection afterwards about it so that's definitely part of our our routine um when I'm feeling that disharmony that I spoke about earlier, um, a walking or jogging reflection. So I go for a long walk or a jog and I just kind of reflect on things and it allows me to be more aware of uh, the reason for disharmony and to move forward in a positive way. Um another self-care method is definitely uh, striving to connect with my boys and Neela. Um, so if I'm feeling that there's a disconnect there or, or I haven't spent a lot of time with them, that creates a little bit of disharmony. And then I end up trying to build in some connection time. Uh, the one big thing that we're doing as well with our family is um, the idea of ongoing gratitude. And... As humans, we're hardwired to look for danger and what's not working in our lives, but you can flip the paradigm by really scanning for the positive. So that's what we do. We we kind of scan for the daily good or scan for the positive in our lives and to uh, be grateful for it, even on the difficult days. It's a very good thing to scan for the positive and look at the good things that actually happened rather than focusing on the bad. So daily meditation, walking, jogging, reflections, connecting with um, loved ones, and the idea of ongoing gratitude are definitely uh, methods for self-care and routines that we strive to build into our daily lives. One more thing that having said all those things about the routines and the methods for self-care, this is no easy task and it does not happen every day. It's a struggle, but we find that when we, we strive to embed these routines within our daily practice uh, for a succession of days, it definitely has an impact on our social and emotional well-being. So uh, by no means are we perfect at it. It's just something that we strive to do, and, and we, we have come to the realization that when we invest the time and we do it on a regular basis, that it does definitely have an impact on our well-being
3: my go-to self-care methods are a combination of several things that I can lean on. Um, And when I don't, I really feel it and see it uh, as a result. And and the three things are meditation. And uh, years ago, I learned how to uh, meditate a form of transcendental meditation called effortless meditation. And it changed things for me. It changes your perspective on things. It changes how you view your life and how you view the world. Um, And and so that has been a real uh, source of strength for me and a big anti-stress. And I can really feel it when I get out of my routine. So I do that once. In a perfect day, I'll do it twice. Um, That's been such of, of great importance to me as far as self-care goes. The other, the next one would be, you know, which I'm sure everybody on here can, can talk to, is some kind of physical exercise. It has changed over the years from, uh, from lifting so much to getting much more into aerobic fitness, aerobic activity, and whether it be running, mountain biking, at this point in my life, um, I'm doing a, a combination that works for me and also, I've added uh, the practice of sarupa yoga. And, and so that seems to be working pretty well right now. Um, and, and finally, uh, just trying to be mindful. Uh, you know, when you are in the moment and appreciating the moment, feeling the moment, experiencing the moment, and fully soaking it all in, You can't be stressed unless that moment is stressful. But most stress is occurring because of something that happened already or because something that we think might happen. It's usually (laughs) our thoughts running around our brain that cause the stress. So when we're fully uh, focused and fully mindful, it's very difficult. You just can't. It's impossible. You can't be stressed and mindful at the same time. So I had a situation this year. I mean, I had had a, a great year. Um, in 2017 even back in 2016 I was doing so much travel speaking, teaching, etc uh, but I wore myself down and it ended up in some uh, several surgeries that just needed to be done over time and, and a, a bout of illness and I found myself out of balance completely and I'm, I'm not used to feeling that way and so I completely turned to Okay, Mike, I've got to focus back on meditation, focus back on my daily exercise routine, and and start getting uh, more mindful. So that's what I do, and I hope that that can help someone else who's listening.
4: Hi, this is Sarah Heidel. So my self-care routines and practices, um, honestly, this is really an area of growth for me. Um, I know what I would like to do and what I actually do are two very different things. So in my, I'll start with my ideal, my ideal world, um, running is usually like my go-to. It always has been since I was in high school. It was like my escape from reality for a little while where I could go take a break, hash some things out. Um, I used to say, is to pound it out on the pavement, and then I could come home um, refreshed to deal with um, whatever was going on. Uh, and um, that's been a little bit weak in my current life. Um, so, right now, um, my current self care is um, two things. Number one, uh, my husband and I try to every evening go through uh, an evening prayer and um that's where episcopalian so we use the book of common prayer and there is an evening prayer like routine um and you just you follow it and there's scripture reading um and and that's what we do it takes about 30 minutes where we're able to kind of just be together and connect in that way both with each other and our higher power um, and so that, that's recharging for us in that way. And then the second thing that I do for self-care is, um, is this, is listening to podcasts and contributing to
0: podcasts
4: um, and sharing my story and my struggles with, with others and getting myself filled up with others in my communities um, through phys ed, through just education in general, um, through other people that I've connected with. Um, in life and just sharing life with people. Uh, I am a very typical extrovert in that way, that I am recharged by people and community. And I'm finding technology a really useful tool in feeding that side where uh, yeah, I don't necessarily have the time to connect with people all the time in my busy life, but I have this great little tool in my pocket where I can connect with people all over the world at all times Um, and that's been really great this past like two weeks because I'm, I'm trying to find the balance of it. So that's what self-care looks like for me. Um, it's missing a physical element right now. And so I'm feeling the strain of that, that I, I wish I had more of a, of a physical outlet right now. And I'm just in a season where that is a little bit impractical because of everything that's going on and that's Okay. So um, I will get to that place. And I know that that's always there. Like the road isn't going to go away. My running shoes are still in my closet and I can put them on and and use that tool when I need it. So uh, that's it for me. Hey, Lisa Rockala,
5: responding to my go-to self-care methods. um, Do I follow a routine? Yes, but yes and no. Um, My routine is I start every workday morning with a workout and, and I change it um I change it for my body which is good and and I change it for my mind as well I can't do the same thing every day um and then at the end of my workout for the last year or so I've been practicing some mindfulness and I'm nowhere near a pro at this I'm not I have a hard time sitting still um, but I found a really great app that I'd like to share it's called smiling mind um, and it's a free app and Like they're like one to six minute meditations and the guy on there is just really, really great at explaining, you know, if you're new to this, um, be aware of your thoughts, but let them go. Um, So I'd really recommend checking out the app Smiling Mind. And that I've been really trying to carry over mindfulness into my teaching. And I agree with Mike, you know, don't stress, just, just observe. It's okay. (laughs) Um, Some of my other methods, I love to walk outside um, preferably by nice scenery or a lake or a river. Um, I treat myself to a Starbucks on some Fridays on my lunch break, um, just those things that, you know, I don't have to justify. I'm gonna be good to myself and that keeps me going. Um, sometimes it's nice to connect with a family or friend or somebody in the PE community, like who I haven't talked to for a while maybe because we have to stay motivated and keep encouraging each other and keep that community vibe going. Um, and then something that I used to do at the beginning of the school year and just started doing again this week is I've got lamps in my office here at school. And and I've got a K-cup maker so I can do some tea. And I turn on, turn off the fluorescent lights and I turn on my lamps. I use a little bit more energy, but I don't do it every day. Um, and I turn on some soft music while I work because why not? You know, um, it's just a much more comforting environment. Um, but back to Sarah in terms of... <laughs> her CrossFit experience and me saying, you know, doing some bodybuilding shows, I I was a figure competitor for a couple of years. And that being the opposite of self-care, because seriously, anything where you're so obsessed is the opposite of self-care and not everybody who participates in CrossFit or bodybuilding or whatever the thing is, is obsessed. Um, But I think it's something that's not talked about. Like there's nothing like the feeling of accomplishment that you train for months and months for those three minutes on stage and you finally get on stage, but then you get off and you're proud of yourself and you should be. However, no one talks about the bags of Doritos and ice cream and cake and whatever else you eat after the show, because you just stuff yourself and it takes so long. I don't know. I'm speaking vulnerably, maybe from a female bodybuilding perspective, but it takes so long to finally get to a place of moderation um, that you can eat the same on Saturday as on Monday. It takes a lot of self-care, it takes a lot of self-trust and self-compassion, plus again, practice. Um, But I can now say I'm finally in a place and I have been for a while that I eat the same on Saturday as I do on Monday. And I I attribute a lot of that to trusting myself and practicing those self-care methods. Hi, Cassie Brooks here. Um, A couple different things that I do for mental health self-care
6: is, one, being open to people, not hiding and pretending to be okay when I'm not, but being honest with people and letting people know what I need, whether it's my family, my friends, or my coworkers, and being flexible with other people, covering for them when they need help, and they will return the favor. Also, um, this may seem like an extra task for some people, but for me, one of the most fulfilling things that I do, and I try to carve out time for it every Friday afternoon when I am up to my eyeballs in frustration with middle school students and difficult school situations or negativity from colleagues or frustration and different situations dragging me down. I look up the phone numbers for parents from two or three kids who are just kind of nice overall kids, or maybe they've done something special. They don't usually are not standout kids. They're usually just kind of quiet kids who sort of come and do what they're supposed to do, like I ask them to do every day, and And I call their parents and just say, hey, Just wanted to let you know your kid's pretty cool. I really appreciate their attitude in my class. I have a lot of negativity in my classes at times, and those kids pull my attention. So I don't always get to say to your son, good job. Thanks for doing what you do because you're a great kid. And so I'm calling you to let you know so that you can give him an extra pat on the back and thank him for being respectful and considerate of his peers and having a good attitude. And the response that I get from those parents and then the next week from those kids just renews my passion for why I do what I do. Reminds me that those kids are getting something from me, that I do have a purpose, I am appreciated, and there are so many more kids that are really going down the right path because of my influence, and that kind of brings me back to why I do what I do.
7: Just come on, Lex. Um, So for me, I have carved out times during my week that I just, every week, do things just for me. So on every single Thursday evening, I go horseback riding. Um, And then Saturday mornings, as strange as it may seem to some people, I muck stalls. um, And that is just a fantastic time for me to, I call them my sanity breaks. You know, it is, for the stalls, it's manual labor, and I get to do whatever I want. I catch up on podcasts, I can... Talk to people or not, extra time around animals that I can talk to, and they don't care. It is fantastic. Um, the other thing I do is I have found a coworker that every Wednesday we go out to lunch, and we leave work at work, and it is an amazing time for a break, midweek exactly, and it is just nice to connect with someone at work and not have it be about work at all. Um, We had found this, that we both desperately needed this about two years ago um, when the self-care for both of us was really not happening as well as it needed to. And so this kind of turned into our weekly thing and we've both found that it is incredibly helpful, but we really just are not allowed to talk about work during those lunches. And it has been a huge, huge support Um, for both of us, which is fantastic. Another thing I do is that when I do notice I need time, I make sure that I've figured out what to do. Um, For me, it really tends to be, I just need to be around people that are not work-related. I'm usually not very good at keeping in touch with friends. So I'll make those phone calls to those long distance friends. And that for me is just it it fills me up a lot. I can call, you know, the childhood friend and catch up and have that. It, it reminds me of who I am without all of the other stresses that I can have going on in my life right now. And the connecting to the past and childhood, you know, calling my parents if I need to. It is. Those are the things that for me have really filled me up the most.
8: What's up, Ben? Is your my uh, self-care methods or uh, routines? Uh, First up, I think if you're a teacher, you probably would um, agree that one big thing you can do when you're trying to learn about self-care, help yourself, um, take care of yourself better, is learn more about it. So checking out some books or maybe some podcasts or some YouTube videos from experts in the area of self-care can help you gain a lot of knowledge. Listening to this podcast, I'm sure, is going to help a lot of people get some ideas um, to help improve their lives and make their lives better. So one of the podcasts I would highly recommend is the Tim Ferriss uh, podcast. He's all about uh, tips and tricks to kind of improve your performance. And a lot of that aligns really closely with self-care. So I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir because you're already listening to a self-care podcast. So nice job on taking that first step. Um, A few other things I would say is uh, building in time in your schedule for reflection. So making sure that you're not so busy that you don't have any time to reflect on how your life is going and be intentional. It's that whole idea of um, drifting. You know, if, if you just, you know, take it day by day and you never make plans and goals for yourself, you're going to just drift. And usually the drift in our lives don't take us where we want to go. So trying to be intentional. Uh, one really great habit or practice that I think you can do is try to build a time budget or an ideal week. So taking a schedule and then every single hour, you can do it like 30-minute blocks or an hour blocks or 15-minute blocks, scheduling out what you're going to do for each moment. And some of that can be maybe you're scheduling like free time for yourself. Um, but realizing everybody has the exact same amount of hours in the day, some people get a lot more done. You know How do they do that? And I think a lot of times it's because they're intentional with their time. So one thing you can do to help yourself kind of figure that out is creating a time budget for yourself. Uh, and like, you know, using an Excel spreadsheet or Google sheets to really create like blocks of time. What could you do in an ideal week? And of course there's real, and there's ideal. You're never going to get everything done that you want in a week, but, um, it's a really helpful practice to see what's possible if you did have, um, the control over the week. Uh, Another thing you could do is batch things. So if you have a project, you know, um, the idea of multitasking is a myth. It's it's scientifically proven that we are very, very inefficient when we try to multitask. So just being able to focus on one thing for an hour or two hours instead of checking your email every five minutes all day long. Just don't check your email all day until one time during the day where you check it and answer all the emails. And that will help you uh, be more efficient with your time. Um, And then other things like making sure that you're eating healthy, making sure that you're exercising regularly and putting that in your ideal week or your time budget, and then building in things that are going to help you have that positive mindset, like practicing gratitude. You can do that through journaling. Um, You can just have some meditative practices and then uh, trying to find those people in your life that you want to be like and hanging out with them or spending more time with them or consuming their content can also help you to start to grow in the areas that you want to grow in. So those are a few ideas or tips on habits and routines for self-care.
9: Question three, um, go-to self-care methods. And there have been so many great ones suggested here that I'm really being thoughtful about, especially some of those apps on meditation and mindfulness. Um, For me also, my go-to is definitely getting a good night's sleep. I really really know when I need, um, when I'm when I'm starting to rack up a sleep debt and um, really forcing myself to go to bed on time and practice deep breathing and practice meditation to, to get myself to a deep restful sleep um, is a big time go-to method for me. Also eating well, um, taking just a little bit of time um, once a week to plan ahead and think about what I'm going to be eating and make sure that the preparation and the planning for that has taken place. Um, And then finally, I would also say really just taking time for myself, um, which usually means getting me out of my own house so that I'm not looking at laundry that needs to be done or dishes that need to be unloaded from the dishwasher or um, have a zillion requests coming to me from the kids, all of which, of course, you know, I always want to fulfill going for bike rides or playing games or reading books. We're just hearing them, um, paying attention to them, but it's really, really important for me personally to get out of the house and be in an environment where it's just about me, whether that's reading a book or just sitting down and having a cup of tea at a Starbucks or whatever it is, going for a walk, um, just really making sure that I can put myself in that environment on a semi-regular basis where I have nothing to think about except myself or take care of. I have no one to take care of except for myself.
3: This is a tough one for me because I feel like I don't set limits um, or or draw lines. It's more about how I'm feeling. You know, when I was teaching in a public school, like a lot of other teachers, uh, I had to, especially once I had kids, I don't ever remember not working a second job doing something. And that became my tolerance level. Uh, and, And so now even in my, you know next professional career that is the case uh, i've got a wonderful job uh, that i enjoy very much um running an instructional side of a consulting business and then i have my own personal consulting work that i do so i, I just am a, a busy person what i've tried to do instead is to take self-care very seriously and and maintain that which makes my energy level higher makes um, levels of, uh, I don't know, achieve it higher, but I've run into some trouble with it too. Uh, when I've you know, I've just gone too far, I've done too much, and so, oops, uh, <laughs> I've let go of things, and I, I haven't um, been able to prevent what was coming. And so I need to be better about that. I think more on a daily basis, there's a time limit, generally speaking, where it wasn't one there before. I think maybe when I get to eight or nine o'clock at night, I'm I'm kind of done for the day. Of course, unless I'm doing something or I have something that really needs attention, I'm just I'm just done and I turn off, and work goes away. I wasn't always that way, but I feel like in order to keep my energy level high, uh, do the quality work that I need to do, I, I do set that limit on a, on a day to day basis. Um, so I guess my answer to this is. It, I try to keep self-care a priority on a daily basis and just see what happens with my time, uh, with my energy and my health and, and kind of guide it uh, from there.
9: Question four on limits. Um, I really liked that previous answer about turning things off in the evenings. And I'm also a big proponent of that. Um, During the day, as we all do, I have so much going on. Things are so intense um, I, a zillion different meetings and emails to respond to and texts to respond to, um, but at the end of the day, shutting it off and just checking it and knowing that it's all there the next day to be picked up and, and, um, and addressed is, is everything. And so just shutting things off, not looking at screens, not, um, worrying about stresses that I I can't control has been a really, really excellent routine for me. Um, not always easy to achieve, especially in moments of travel or, um, things like that, but when I can achieve it, it makes a huge difference.
8: Yes. I think, uh, limits are super important. Um, so some of the boundaries that I set for myself to make sure I don't get burnt out are, um, I, work after work um, on my blog or business or any kind of side job things only two days a week. And then uh, the other days I can spend about 30 minutes to an hour just responding uh, to emails and making sure that everything um, keeps running, but I don't do any like real long work on those days. And so that allows me to kind of focus on um, business and deep work uh, for a couple of days a week. And then the other days I can focus on my family and uh, myself and make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Like we have been talking about uh, and all the other questions um, one day a week, Sunday, I totally unplug. I don't get on social media. Um, I don't do any email checking or anything like that. And um, that day is dedicated to uh, family and friends and rest and res- restoration. Um, And then also I have a little uh, notification on my iPhone that pings me when it's time to go to bed. Uh, So I prioritize sleep and try to get at least uh, seven and a half hours of sleep every night because I've just found that's my sweet spot. Um, On the weekends, I might try to get a little bit more. But um, making sure that you're not distracted is another good one. So maybe uh, some limits might be turning off notifications on your phone and only going to... Like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or email when you've set aside time for yourself to do that. Um, those are things, some things that have been helpful for me.
5: Hey, Lisa Rackala. Um What limits do you set for yourself regularly? Where do you draw the line? Um, again, like the idea of when you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated, or if you're waiting for signs for self care, it might, you know, it's a little late, um, but it happens. So to me, where do you draw the line? I feel I feel as though um, the idea that if you are, are waiting for a line to need to be drawn, that you may not be practicing enough self-care. Um, however, I think if it gets in the way of like my daily routines, um, if it gets in the way of my workouts, if it gets in the way of things that make me feel good and things that I want to do for myself, or my work or my family, things that are important to me, all of those things are are big. Um, clues that maybe I need to draw the line and and practice saying no. And I'm a person who is very, very guilty of not always saying no. And maybe I should, and I want to do so much, but um, there's, there's a line to be drawn.
0: So um, yeah. Hey everyone. This is Sarah Heidel. So our final question about limits. This year, I've been really intentional about setting one major limit for work, and that is to leave work at work. Um, During my student teaching, and I had a a long-term subposition after that, I brought work home. I brought stress home. Um, I was falling asleep on the couch at like 8.30 every night because I was exhausted. And um, when I went back into the classroom, this is now about five years later, um, that was one thing I decided I wasn't going to do. So I do bring some greeting home occasionally, um, but I don't bring the stress of my job home. Um, I, I leave that there. And it's, you know, it's it's a reset measure for myself um, because <clears throat> the day was what it was. And um, I'll, I'll spend some time on reflecting on what I can do to, to not repeat that day. Um, But that's just one thing I I have done for myself is to make sure that I don't bring work home with me. Um, And then the second thing I do is um, my husband and I have set up a little um, kind of check system where when we are asked to take on something else, we both have a one-liner of like, that sounds like a great idea. Um, I might be into that, but I need to check with my husband first. And, And he says, I need to check with my wife first and it 's just a, a way to sort of by time um, allow for reflection and to stop I, I can be really a yes person and do everything, so it stops me from doing that uh, and Those are really my key limits that I set for myself regularly.
1: What a great question. What limits do you set for yourself regularly, and when do you draw the line with demands on your time, energy, and intellect that 's a good question. It had me thinking for a couple of days and I think the reality is that I don't set limits. Um, I, I tend to accept a lot of um, invites and opportunities to do work and collaborate, um, and I don't set limits on it, but what often happens is a cascading of demands that falls onto my plate, and. I guess at moments such as that, I, I know in my heart that my intentions are good and that I mean well and I want to be committed to these, these opportunities and in, in order to kind of <clears throat> do the work that I love to do. But I think I begin to feel overwhelmed and I, I need to really cut back to the center or cut to the core of, of um, what my work means to me and then, and build in time to do the work that I love to do, but build in the time for for my own wellness. And as as much as I love to go and present and speak, and and I get invitations to do so, um, I guess those are the the limits that I set. I I accept um, way fewer invites that I used to do, simply because I I know that I it's going to take too much of my time and it's going to pull me away from doing the work that I'm doing at my school right now and, and spending time with the family and doing the things that I love to do. So I think that in not accepting a lot of the the invites to travel and speak, I still choose two or three a year that mean something to me. And I plan accordingly and build that into my calendar to plan for these things. So I guess my lesson from this question is that I don't place limits on myself, but um, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, that's usually a good signal that I need to be more aware of how my time is spent. So that's kind of how I draw the line, I guess, in just not accepting everything and um, not going out to present and speak, yet still making it... <clears throat> Part of my yearly plan to go at least two to three times during my holiday time to do these things. So that's a bit of a rambling on uh, message, but that's kind of how I'm looking at at that uh, question in terms of limits uh, on myself. So.
6: This is Cassie Brooks, and I have some limits that I place on myself where I've just built it into my schedule because I know if it's left up to me, I would stay at school every night until 7 o'clock getting things done, and I wouldn't eat dinner, wouldn't spend time with my family because there's always more to do. So twice a week... I have meetings after school that extend my school day and once a week where I have club meetings. And on those three days, I bring my things. And as soon as that meeting is over, I go home. I do not stay. I don't go back on my computer. I log off. Everything is done before I go home. Now, there might be some work that is left later on that evening after my kids have gone to bed, but on those days, I'm home when my kids get home, and that's something I have to do to make sure that I don't overextend myself with my time at school. Another thing that I do in terms of limits is when people ask me to participate in opportunities, whether it's attending a big seminar or workshop or presenting, or they want my input on something, I have to sometimes do what feels selfish to me, but is really all about self-preservation, where I have to ask, am I getting something out of this myself? Is this something that someone else could do? Am I able to do this and feel good about it? Am I gaining energy from it? Or would I just be stressed out? Is it going to cause problems for my family that I have to work around? Am I going to lose sleep over it? If it's something that I'm going to gain from, that I'm going to feel rewarded, that I'm going to feel energized for participating in, then I can give a little bit of extra in some other areas. But I have to draw the line at some point and say, you know what, this isn't the project for me. Someone else can do it. Someone else can step up to the plate. Because if I'm always saying yes, that robs someone else of the opportunity to say yes themselves. There's always someone that it can be delegated to. There's always someone else who is looking for that next opportunity. So if I pass... I have to remember somebody else is going to gain from that.
7: Jess, come on, looks here. So this is the part of self care I'm really not very good at. The setting limits with things I've gotten better. So I have made a point now of my kids' things comes first over mine, unless it's something that's big and planned ahead, like Shape Nashville took precedent over a couple things. I missed a couple things for kids, but to me that that was a one time deal. For most of the things I do, I make sure that I have time scheduled aside for all my um, kind of extra work type stuff um, that does not interfere with my kids' schedules, which means I can still make it to all their events. I can make it to anything for school for them. Um, And when they're home and present, so am I. I do not do work when we're just hanging out at home together. Um, I will wait till they go to bed. And then I allow myself about usually an hour to get stuff done afterwards. And then it's time for me to go to bed. That's when I don't fall asleep with them. Um, And that's the only limits I set. I'm really not very good at this part of it. So I'm loving the ideas I'm hearing. Um, It kind of has made me think of how I can do this part in my life a bit better.
3: This is a great question. Um, As we know that Often the mindset of a student is influenced by uh, the mindset, the temperament, the emotional well-being of a teacher the day before. We also know that students deserve nothing less than a teacher who is at their very best every day. And we know that that's not the case, and, and, and that, that's not, I'm not blaming anyone, it's, it's, a, it's a self-care issue, it's a wellness issue, it's just life in the United States, it's an uphill battle, it's a daily struggle because of, of the, the food supply, because of other options aside from, um, you know, being physically active, and, and, you know, just a somewhat of a changed society, and adapting to that to keep yourself well is, is difficult at times. Um, uh, you know, when when I, I just want to think about how schools can work to support self care. Of course, I'm I'm not in a public school anymore, but I can well remember when you know by many different administrators giving the the talk that your job is paramount and your um, work is so important, and you do anything to get the job done. Everything and anything that you know possible you know, you do whatever it takes to get the job done. And then they say, but make sure you take care of yourself. Well, often the two are incompatible. And I, I wish administrators, that will be, I'm putting myself in the shoe of, uh, shoes of administration right now. I would have conversations about that regularly with teachers about self-care, about, you know, how are you taking care of yourself? Um, because at, at the end of the day, the most important part of a child's education is is how effective the teacher is and that teacher is more effective when they're, they're taking care of themselves and as i said earlier uh putting themselves at the top of their to-do list they're better for the students so as an administrator um i would i would have more conversations about it at faculty meetings i would talk about it you know what are you doing for yourself you know as an administrator how could i encourage that i would simply make it a priority in the school Uh, And so that you can safely say, hey, I want you to take the best care of yourself possible so that you can be the best you can be every day for our students. I think that's the order it needs to be in and i'd set up options for teachers if it's at all possible uh, some kind of wellness program in a school they work that's why corporate america does it they understand that if they have a healthy employee they're going to be more productive and for some reason in schools we haven't you know some places of course it's going on but not most um and, and i provide incentives where possible so I, you know i just i, I would hope that administrators And just the school community could be supportive, more supportive as a whole of the teacher being well, because at the end of the day, that's what's good for kids. That's what's good for academic achievement. Um, And I'm going to leave the uh, professional association answer to to the rest of the group. Uh, I think that they are more adequately prepared to answer that. But that's my feeling
8: on that. Thank you. I think those are some awesome points uh, that Mike brought up and I uh, totally agree with everything he said. I think the employee wellness options, a lot of uh, corporate places do that. And I think schools could adopt some of those same programs. Um, just little things like offering you know healthy options at lunch can go a long way. I know at my school, we have an option to get a salad, um, which is nice to you know feel like you're uh, eating healthy at school. Um, And then the main thing that I think schools can do is make sure that they're giving teachers adequate planning time and especially uh, at the PE level that they're giving them equitable class sizes. Because, you know, the main struggle that I see a lot of teachers having is their class sizes are so huge that they struggle to teach um, because they're getting dumped on because the gym is a bigger place. So their administrators put more kids there. Um, And so you know, when you don't have the planning time and when your classes are huge, you end up not being able to be intentional and prioritize instruction. And you just kind of feel like you're flying by the seat of your pants and trying to survive, um, which leads to stress and uh, decreased self-care for sure. Um, So, you know, that kills the morale. And then uh, that could easily be solved by giving people time to reflect, giving people time to plan and be intentional with their instruction and their curriculum. Um, And I think the state organization, uh, the biggest role that, in my mind, they play is to be on the legislation side of things, uh, informing teachers about what things are on the table. And I kind of feel like I count on my state organization to get my back with in terms of doing what's good for our profession and then letting me know if I need to call them the Senate or the House of Representatives and let my voice be heard about an issue. Um but the state organizations can definitely provide training and things like that about self-care. And I think that's helpful. Like what you guys are doing on this podcast. Uh, I think it's awesome. But the main thing I see them doing is getting laws passed. that are going to impact the schools because let's be honest, the sc- at the school level is mainly many times dictated by what legislation is in place. So if there was legislation in place that, you know, teachers had a certain amount of planning time and their class sizes were only Uh, a certain size and it was actually evaluated, uh, then many teachers would be in a better situation and many kids would be in a better environment and uh, they'd be learning a lot more. So those are my thoughts. This is a
1: great question and I think our schools can definitely do a lot more in promoting self-care. And the first thing that comes to mind is that schools bombard teachers with the message that everything we do is about student learning. But schools need to take a step back and to actually build in opportunities to discuss specifically the importance of self-care and and build these opportunities into staff meetings by sharing research and structuring discussions around the importance of self-care in order to say that it's okay that this is a focus and a priority in your life in order for you to be your best for students and to ultimately promote student learning at a deeper level. Um, It's a reality that when we're in a good place, we're going to teach in a more effective way and we're going to be there for students, thus enhancing student learning in the classroom. Uh, The second thing that schools can do is to make no doubt that a specific space for quiet time is essential and to design a space in the school, it doesn't have to be big, um, but to design a space in the school that is devoted to teachers who need quiet time. That they can go to this space at lunchtime for 15 minutes. 20 minutes, whatever it is, recess time before school, after school, that that room or that quiet place is there for them uh, to seek refuge during the day when they have to recharge their batteries and that the room is set up in a way that is uh, inviting and that the environment uh, supports that kind of quiet, solitude, reflective um, kind of time that's, that's needed for teachers so to definitely design a space um there should be i've been at schools before where where teachers who uh, who know that they need quiet time have to sneak around and find the most quiet place in the school just to recharge their batteries and it's almost secretive um, that they're ashamed that they have to do this they don't want other people to know well if a school specifically has a place for teachers then they are openly saying and promoting the importance of quiet time and quiet space um, by having a a room set up devoted to this. So those two recommendations, I think, are important to build in opportunities to discuss self-care in uh, staff meetings and to design a specific purpose-built kind of room that um, teachers can go to to uh, just find some quiet time to meditate or to sit quietly, listen to music, whatever they want to do, but that there should definitely be this, uh, these things in the school. In terms of our professional network, I think doing exactly what, what Colin and Matt and Stephanie with the, uh, shape America podcast has done this past week is open up the discussion about the importance of self-care and our, our network, um, can benefit by having these discussions more and, uh, having more chats about it, um, uh, PE chat, whatever it is, uh, the elementary school PE chat, but to build in some opportunities to discuss these things so that teachers know that it's okay to um, discuss these things and and what our actual needs are in order for us to be our best. So uh, to build in opportunities to discuss social, emotional, and physical well-being, on a more regular basis. So um, I wanna thank Colin, Matt and Stephanie for opening up this discussion. And I look forward to hearing the podcast and all the wonderful things that, that teachers are doing um, to promote self-care in their own lives.
4: Hi, this is Sarah Heidel. So the question about what can my school do to support me in self-care? Um, there's a lot of things going on at my current school site that I see think, and hope happens in other schools? Um, This is a hard question for me because I don't have control over what others can do, Um, and I happen to work in a place where two things happen um, that I really appreciate. One, my administrator is um, really, I think because she, um, she worked in a school district very similar to the one that we work in now, so she taught with students that we work in. She honors and respects our prep time um, to the utmost. She, um, There's never any indication that we should be doing something. Is she as often, I hear her say, it's your prep time, you do what you need to do. Um, if she needs to request a meeting during that time, it is well in advance, we have the option to opt out. Um, and that's really important for my self-care. I need that, I, our district has given us a daily Um, prep time. So I have a six-period prep, um, and I need that time. And then the second thing is that all of my administrators um, have an open-door policy. Uh, And literally, if their door is open, um, you can step in, and it may only be two minutes, but you can have those two minutes. Um, And it's a safe place to debrief um, and work through or just share what's going on, what's frustrating, and to get into the solution on some things. Um, and then echo with that, I, I think our, um, my current team at work um, is also a very open door oriented. So we come to each other regularly for everything from just commiserating together to, hey, I'm having this problem with this child. Are you seeing these same things? Okay, what works for you? Great. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna try that, and I'll get back to you on that. Uh, so a lot of collaboration, a lot of support. I think that um, is the biggest thing that helps me. And as far as what my national organization can do, you know, I think it's um, knowledge um, and education. I think that's that's what I want to see from my national organization. I would love to see, um, which what we're doing right now, right? This is the Shape America podcast we're doing a podcast on self-care. We're educating those who choose to listen to this on how important it is and sharing our techniques for doing it. Um, and I think this is the key. Uh, research in that area, I think that's something else to see, um, whether it's just posting articles that have already been done or doing separate research on you know, maybe self-care for a physical education teacher looks different than it does for um, another a classroom teacher. Um, I don't know. That might be an opportunity for research. Um, but I know that there has been research done, and so posting those things and, and, you know, even if we reduce down to an infographic so it's easy to digest, um, I think those are the two ways that I would like um, support from a national organization.
5: Hey, Lisa rackle here to answer the last question. What can school and professional organization do for me in terms of self-care? Great question. Um well, I'll start with professional organization. This podcast is a heck of a good start. Um, I don't know that there's been a lot already done in terms of self-care, but I do really agree with Ben in terms of um, them being our largest advocates and, and movers on how we can advocate and let us know as teachers what we can do to advocate and, um, and get the work done at the legislative level that, that needs to get done, because that's what affects our daily life. Um, getting those laws passed. Um, otherwise, I, I'm really glad to hear the amount of people on here and in general who practice mindfulness and meditation. I know that mindfulness is sort of trendy right now, but um, I think that's really good that we're realizing that we move too fast. Um, so if there's if there's an opportunity for um, a, a school to be able to host. A yoga, or I know um, here at my school, I teach a Pilates class, and then I I also teach another um, staff fitness class. So I guess at my school, I'm not waiting for anyone to provide self care. I mean, the, the open door policy is great, and feeling like you have the support um, and that you can talk to your administration is is a really good thing. But I think one big thing in the at the school level is that's where we're at. So. We need to take the initiative um, and and make sure we have the support whether that's financial support or you're volunteering your time but um, if it's okay with you right you're not pushing your limits um, maybe you can teach a a class for staff because i know that they really really appreciate that here that i do that Um, another thing is is i always i always try to say you know i really appreciate the thought of having donuts in the workroom i really think that's nice but can we have some fruit with it sometimes? I mean, I just ask, like, can, can we have some better options? Because everyone knows that they should be eating well. So why not? Why not be the one to advocate for that? Um, Or sometimes I'll offer to do something at the end of a professional development opportunity, or if someone's doing a team building thing at the beginning of the school year, um, maybe I can do, or another health, or PE professional if you have a larger school can do something for the last 10 minutes even of, of that to help spread the importance of self-care and what you do and what, I mean, sharing kind of like what this podcast is about and trying to set people up for for the school year. Um, and lastly, really resonated with Mike when he said um, an effective teacher is somebody who is happy and healthy and well cared for. Um, and I think that starts with self-care. So. We need to put ourselves first, not always, but a lot, and um, so that we can best serve our students and live a healthy life ourselves.
7: Just come on, looks here. Um, for the school supporting more self-care at work, I love what Ben said about making things an actual good environment for teachers to work in. Um, having it be, you know, actual. What other teachers would call acceptable class sizes, having it be a schedule that's equivalent to other teachers. I think that's huge. I'm not sure how much power actual schools compared to districts have, but that would make things a whole lot nicer. I know in my teaching situation in particular, um, I got to say, my school is really good, though, about making sure that mental health days are actually a thing. Teachers are encouraged to use them. Um, we are not made to feel bad when we do. And that part of it's really nice. I have been at other districts that do have the the wellness programs and those have always been helpful when I'm at now. Does not um, That could also be a pretty nice thing though. When it comes to the association, I think this podcast the, is fantastic. I love that it's actually having the conversation going. It is one topic that really is usually not spoken about much, but I think that really should be spoken about more because without self-care, there's no way you're going to be the best teacher you can be. This is
6: Cassie Brooks again, and in Indiana, our professional organization in SHAPE is really taking hold of this topic of teacher self-care, avoiding burnout, getting back from burnout, because many of us have felt some of those feelings throughout our careers. So my advocacy committee that I'm chair of, we brainstormed at our leadership um, retreat and came up with some sessions that we really wanted to provide for educators at our state conference. We're also looking at making a lot of these resources available online as well for our membership But one of the things that we're offering as a session at our conference is local advocacy and support for your program, how to build that up to bring a sense of feeling valued by the people around you is so important. And in a field that can be sometimes marginalized and we can feel very alone because maybe we're the only one who seems to care about what we do, building up that parent support the community support administrator support is really valuable in terms of caring for yourself to me is having people understand what you're doing and the value of it and then being able to support you in what you're doing so that's one of the sessions that we're providing Um, But it's really important to us to provide the printables and the presentations and the talking points and elevator speech content that our membership can use to advocate locally and build up support for their programs so they do feel valued, which is so important for teacher mental health. We're also hosting a couple of sessions more specifically related to self-care. One is titled something along the lines of how to care for you, the most important part of your effective health and PE program. It's about strategies to deal with stress and the tiny little details of teaching that often bring us down. Loving teaching to begin with or to continue to get back to and have a life at the same time. Um, Kind of the idea of we have the whole child approach, but this is taking care of the whole teacher. And then we're also having a session on getting your passion back. Um, Again, that kind of mental health issue. When we are so passionate, it's easy to get burnt out. And so this session is um, not letting isolation or negative colleagues drag you down But reaching out by building up a PLN support network, keeping things in perspective, too, though, because when we reach out, sometimes we play the comparison game. You know, it's back to like the middle school kids that I teach about self-esteem. Like sometimes we look at others and go, wow, they have it all together. They look so good. We can sometimes do that as health and physical educators, where we look at other people's programs and what they post online and get overwhelmed by comparing ourselves. And then feel like, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not anywhere near that. But we have to remember that people are posting their best and it's okay to not be your best all the time. So I think to me, being honest about the moments when I've also failed is empowering to me. And knowing um, when I share that with my colleagues that I'm helping to build them up and recognizing it's okay to not be perfect all the time. It goes back to my one word for this year, which is enough. I am enough. I care enough. What I do is enough because I'm working so hard. And that is enough enough. I am giving enough to these kids and it's okay to take a break and take a step back and take care of me sometimes.
2: That concludes our self-care podcast part two. If you enjoyed what you heard today and haven't given part one a listen, be sure to queue it up in your downloads. On behalf of Colin, Matt, and I, we would like to give our biggest appreciation and thanks to our guests, Lisa Rackala, Jason Steele, Andy Vasily, Mike Kuzala, Stephanie Morris, Sarah Heidel, Jessica Monlux, and Ben Landers. You all provided us with invaluable knowledge, tips, tricks, and even experiences from your own lives. We hope that their discussion has sparked some ideas on how to take care of you so that you can keep giving more of yourself to those around you. And to our listeners, thank you for taking the time out of your day to give us a listen and improve your practice. We always enjoy hearing your thoughts. So if you have any questions or if you want to give us any feedback, please feel free to email us at podcast at shapeamerica.org. Or even tweet me at smsandino. Help us keep the conversation going on social media and on whatever platform you listen in on with comments, likes, and shares. This is Stephanie Sandino, your Shape America podcast co host, alongside Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy. Over now. Happy trails, everyone.